There's something to be said for learning how to engage the presence of God. And in, not in a religious sense, not in a religious duty, like I went to church and they sang some cool songs and stuff and you know God was there, I think. But there, there's a journey and a process in learning to engage the presence of God. And, and I love what, what Kara was getting to. Like there's those here that you are, you are hungry for a change, something in you that needs to change, something that you've desired to change and it hasn't, you've tried things, you've tried things and things continue to stay the same. And, and, uh, and I tell you what, I, I've been as guilty as the next person. Sometimes God ends up being my last resort instead of the first thing I go to, right? Anyone ever been there? <clears throat> and immediately this, one of the accounts in the gospels popped up in my, in my mind and I wanted to read some of it to you. It's, it's in the gospel of Mark chapter five and, and what's, what's happening here is there's this woman who her, her entire adult life has struggled with, with constant bleeding. And she was, you could tell when you read through the account of this, she was at the end, the end of her rope. She tried everything. As a matter of fact, it, it says that in verse 26 that, um, that she had suffered a great deal for many doctors and over the years she spent everything she had to pay them. But now she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. But listen to this, when, when she heard about Jesus, somebody needs to hang on to that fact this morning. When she heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him in the crowd and she, she just touched the edge of his, of his garment, the edge of his robe. She, wasn't, she didn't try to schedule a meeting. She wasn't trying to have you know front and center. She just realized and had a reality check and an encounter of who Jesus is. And she realized, man, I, I don't even have to talk to him. I don't have to, I don't have to tell him what's going on. If I can just get to where his presence is and just, just if I can get close enough to him to touch the edge of his garment, I believe that he can heal me. I've heard that he's healed others. I've heard that he's brought change into other people's lives. I've heard that he's been the solution for other people. Maybe he can also be the solution for me. And, and the, the, the crazy thing about what she did, it would, it would almost seem more weird if, if there wasn't enough people, but there were so many people in this story crowded around Jesus, because that kind of happened to him everywhere he went. There were so many people crowding in, trying to get a piece of Jesus, trying to talk to him, trying to get a selfie with Jesus, trying to get an appointment with Jesus, try, you know, trying to get a piece of him, which is ironic because there are lots of people trying to get to Jesus, but there's a difference between those who are trying to get him that are hungry and those who are trying to get to him because they have an agenda. And God doesn't want you to be perfect. He doesn't want you to have all your stuff put together. He doesn't want you to have everything figured out. He doesn't want you to be sinless and clean and knowing how to say the right words and knowing how to act religious. He doesn't want that. He wants you to be you and to come hungry and boldly before him because that's where he can do his work. He can't do his work when you feel like you've got it all figured out and then come to him. He wants you to come to him when you know you don't have it figured out. And not only that, but you don't have a clue how to get it figured out. You don't know how to work it out. You don't know how to get better. You don't know how to change. That's when Jesus is like, you're in the perfect spot, come here. But Jesus didn't even know this woman was coming. And he's, he's got so many people crowding around him, but when she gets up behind him, she, he doesn't even see her, touches the hem of his garment, it says that healing virtue went out from him, and in that moment she was healed. And that's amazing, Jesus' response was, who touched me? And they were so crowded that Peter, one of his disciples says, 
in all due respect, that's a dumb question. There's people everywhere, everyone's touching you. He's like, no, somebody touched me intentionally. This morning, do you need to have an encounter with Jesus? Do you need to touch his presence intentionally? I'm not saying that you can show up and, and just observe and not be impacted. I'm sure you can, and people get impacted that way all the time. But Jesus constantly cries out to those who are thirsty, come. To those who are hungry, come. To those who have need, come. To those who are broken, come to me. To those who have lack, come to me. If that's you right now, would you stretch your hands towards heaven as a sign of surrender to Jesus? This is your moment, this is you and God. This isn't performance, this isn't grandstanding, this is us reaching literally to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus Christ. Knowing that he is our absolute everything, our all in all, our all in all. He is sufficient, he is more than enough. He's not gonna run out of supply because he used it on other people and can't help you. Reach out and just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm desperate for a touch from you. I'm desperate, Lord God, for change that can only come from you. Father, would you help me where I have need? Would you help me where I have lack? God, as they cry out in their pure hearts before you, Father, Lord, we're not perfect people coming to you. We're broken people that know that we need you. And so, Jesus, I just pray across this room, and God, we're speaking to our region, God. I just pray across our entire region today, Father. Lord, let the grace and the love of your presence stretch over our region, God. Father, we need you. Families need you, God. Marriages need you, Lord. Children need you. God, we ask, Lord, that you would just do what only you can do. Yesterday, God spoke to me and he said, you, you, need to, you need to prepare and you need to tell people. And, and we put some stuff out on Facebook. I don't never know how that works as well. But God said today there's going to be people who come who are struggling with depression. And he goes, and, and I want to heal them. I want them to have a moment with me. And, and, and I don't know if that's for you. I don't know if that's a, a if you fall into that category and for you it's a clinical thing. Maybe it's something that's been medically diagnosed. Or maybe you're just in a season where you, you just feel depressed. You don't know if it's if it's a diagnosis or if it's just a season or what, but you feel you feel you feel depressed and you feel lost and you don't know what to do. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for you right where you are. I'm not gonna make you come up front or anything, but I just if that's you, this can be between you and the Lord. I I know for something like that, that can be that can be personal. You don't want to expose yourself, and that's fine. But but I just ask that you would be humble before the Lord. And if that's you, just just have a moment right now. Just let your heart open before the Lord. And let me pray for you right where you are. Jesus, I just ask God that you would do, we're not doing it, just ask that you would do, Father, what you say you will do. God, we, we come against a spirit of depression that hovers over this region. Whether it's circumstantial, whether it's this crazy year that we've had, whether it's deep within somebody's mind, whether it's in their emotions, whether it's things within, the, within them that are not firing the way that they should be, God, or whether it's the things that are outside circumstances that are just causing people to, to question, to be depressed, to question life, to question meaning, to question purpose. Father, we ask that by your love and your grace, Father, that you would come right now and just overshadow them in this place. Let your Holy Spirit come and just overshadow them in this place right now, Father. God, come and do what only you can do. 
Jesus, you are our counselor. You're our mighty counselor. God, you're the prince of peace. You are our healer. You are our provider. God, we rely on you. And God, we know it doesn't always make sense, but God, that's where faith comes in. So Father, would you build our faith? Would you increase our faith? Jesus. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on ComboChurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. Matthew chapter 6. I got to get there too. There we go. And some of you will recognize this, this portion of scripture as we get into it. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, uh, which is the, the primary translation that I use most of the time. Uh, but you'll, you'll recognize some of this. And, and even if you don't consider yourself a church person, you might recognize this as well. This is a portion of scripture that gets used in a lot of different places, a lot of different times, and, and rightly so. And so I just want to remind you, as we get into this and, and all of our, our convo, our dream team and our convo folks, you guys know this. You know that we're not a quiet church. Am I right? We, uh, we like to talk. I like to hear amens. I like to hear a little hollering. Uh, as long as it's, you know, complimentary. Uh, other than that, then we'll have security usher you out. And it'll be fantastic. Always love those moments. All right. Go, uh, where are we at? Matthew chapter 6. All right. Matthew 6. We're going to start in verse 9. And, uh, and so follow along with me, and we'll have it up on the screen behind me too. And this is Jesus. And what's happening in this particular portion of Scripture is his disciples came to him with a really good question. They said, teach us how to pray, which I guess is kind of a question. How do we pray? Teach us how to pray. And this is what Jesus said. <clears throat> he said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Some of y'all might remember, hallowed be thy name. But in, in, our, in America, we don't speak in the old King James English, so we try to use vernacular that may be a little bit more understandable. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You should underline that line in your Bible if, you, if you're able to. May your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. Give us today the food that we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. That's a good underlying spot as well. As we have forgiven. Focus, Craig. Don't get ahead of yourself. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Father, we ask that just in the, in the minutes that we have together, Uh, Lord, you can do immeasurable things, God. You can change our mind. You can change our hearts. You can transform everything about us. So, Father, we pray that just in these minutes you would allow us to receive, allow us to hear, allow us to be open to what you're trying to speak today. We just ask it in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. So I don't don't have much of an introduction for this week because this really kind of connects to to the message that that we spoke last week. And uh, so if you want to kind of get caught up and you weren't here and you didn't hear it, you can... 
You can go to, uh, you can go to our, our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or our website, and you can listen to the message from last week. But we, we're in this little series. It's called We Are Jesus People. We Are Jesus People. And last week, I, I decided it would be a good idea to define that because uh, almost like anything in the religious world, and I use that term loosely, we tend to create definitions for, for words in our own mind, in our own life, right? Like we redefined every, we redefine every word so it fits what we want it to fit, which is crazy dangerous, by the way, because we end up using words that are one, like, like, I, like you know, the word love, that, that word has been completely redefined, has been robbed, and has had its purpose taken away from it, but it's the central most important word, I think, in the entire Bible. And so it's important for us to understand what love really is. So, and we can say Christian, I'm a Christian. Uh, what do you mark on your census? I mark Christian slash other. What the heck does that mean? Like what is a Christian slash other? Well, a Christian for me just means, you know, I mean, you know there's, there's a God. He's, he's out there. It's, you know, it's good. And for another, I'm Christian. And that means that I believe in Jesus and I believe that he died for my sin. I believe he loves the world. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and so you got these two people who are saying they're Christians, but they live different. They walk different. They talk different. Their lives are different and their values are different. So how can two people be the same thing? No, we got to define things. So for Jesus people, this is what we put as a definition. Jesus people are regular people like you and me. I love that. That's a good starting point. Not perfect people. Regular people like you and me who are passionate about their relationship with Jesus. And they live to share his life and love with others. And so this whole Jesus people name, this title, this tag really originally came out of the 60s and 70s when at the same time like the free love, free sex, drugs, rock and roll, hippie movement was happening. There was a counter movement that was happening of God moving on people, transforming lives, changing lives, giving them passion about the salvation and the healing they had just experienced and then going out to the streets to find people that were, are living in the same brokenness that they just came out of. And they didn't name themselves Jesus people. They didn't have a branding meeting. And they weren't looking up if the, if, the, if the social media name was available and what's the domain. No, they weren't doing that. They just were doing what they saw Jesus doing in the scriptures. And people started to observe what they were doing and said, man, those are like, oh, it's just those Jesus people. Which, you know, for them was a, was a cliche and an insult. But for the Jesus people themselves, it was, it was a high compliment. That anything that we would ever do would closely resemble what Jesus would do. It's like... Thank you. I appreciate that. No, I, didn't, I was trying to insult you. Well, you didn't. You failed. Thank you. I'm a Jesus people. But we're actually starting to see a very similar resurgence right now in our nation. Some, some things that looked very similar to what was happening in the 60s and 70s as, as people began to become completely undone with what they were observing happening around them in their cities, their communities, and in their nation. And they began, to, they began to get out and begin to say, hey, we're going to actually change things. We're going to be, by our Jesus-following nature, we're going to change things. Because there were a lot of similar, similarities at that time that we're actually seeing right now as well. And they did. They took Jesus to the streets. They took Jesus to people everywhere they went. They wanted to make sure that people knew about this amazing Savior that they had encountered. And so we have that same opportunity today, and, and even after church today, there's some of us that after we get torn down and whatever uh, and get everything put away, we're heading over to Sacramento because there's this huge uh, public worship event that's going to be taking place. Thousands of people are going to come. We're going to be on the, on the, literally on the footsteps of the Capitol building in Sacramento where legally you're not allowed to sing because you could, 
You can hurt people with your singing, and legally you're not allowed to do anything. But we're going to go there, and we're going to worship God, and we're going to praise God on the steps of the Capitol. The governor's been invited. We'll see. That would be fantastic. I'm not holding my breath. But God does miracles, and it's going to be, we're praying for him, so it's going to be great. So, yeah, if you're all coming, that'll be fantastic. But that's, even just that, the, 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 the concept and the passion that's beginning to show up in people to where they're, they're not content to just have their little private gatherings on a Sunday or on a whenever, and, and that's the definition of their relationship with God. No, there's something rising up inside of people that says what is going on is not okay, and what God has put inside of me is for, for so much more than just me, so it's time that I do something with what God has done inside of me and begin to get vocal and begin to get active and begin to be present with what God is trying to do through me and through us, and through our nation, and in our world. No more of this quiet, scared uh, Christians that are just gathering and trying to circle the wagons, and hey, everybody, let's just, this is terrible times. This is just terrible, guys. Let's just huddle over here in a corridor, in a, in a, what am I saying, in a corner, in a, in, the, in, a, in a prenatal position. That's not the word either. And then we're just terrified, and let's just, we got too many babies coming around here. I'm starting to think like prenatal and. What, what am I trying to say? Was it in the? See, y'all know what I'm saying. Come on, let's come on, let's get in close. We're gonna need each other's body heat for warmth so we can survive. But that has been the church world for the last 30 years, with little movements here and little movements there, some bigger than others, and in echoes, you know, echoes and whispers of revival, and, and the Holy Spirit showing up in pockets, and, and what I think what God's trying to get at to us is that he's tired of being held in pockets. He's tired of people having to travel long distances to encounter what they can encounter in their home, or in the Believe Park downtown, or in our church building, or in our workplaces. God is tired of us underestimating who he is and praying prayers that sound great when we pray them, but in all reality, they're so disrespectful to the power and the greatness of who God is. Ephesians 3.20 is actually the verse that we've launched this church on, that God will do exceedingly abundantly above anything that you can even ask, dream, or imagine. So why are, we, why are we praying these weak, wussy prayers as if God doesn't have what it takes to actually make them come to pass? Well, you know, I've prayed for things before and they didn't really happen, so I don't, you know, I never know. If God's listening, does God hear my prayers? I get that. That's a real challenge in the human mind. I get that. But the reality is that, yes, God does hear your prayers. And we're actually going to go into that a little bit more in the next few minutes. I'm going to be chopping this thing up so that we can actually get some content out here for you guys this morning. <clears throat> Every obstacle has a God strategy forward. Every obstacle. Every single obstacle. Stop saying no, not me. Yes, you. Every single obstacle, talk to the camera, has a God strategy forward. Every one. Now that doesn't mean that every obstacle comes from God. But guess what? There are some that do. Why? Because if you are about to walk off a cliff, God loves you enough to put something in front of you that may make you walk in a different direction. But there are also obstacles that we face that are either our own doing through 
poor choices or things that we just, we've been raised a certain way and, it's, and it was unhealthy or toxic and we don't know any better. Or, or even to a, to, a, to a kingdom degree, there are obstacles that the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom that's at odds with the kingdom of God, would like to put in your way so that you will trip and so that you will fall. The kingdom of God is, 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 in, is trying to bring you into a place of purpose. The kingdom that is opposing God, the devil and his kingdom, is trying to steal and kill and destroy. And so we have to understand, it doesn't matter what the obstacle is, either of your own doing, from the kingdom of darkness, or of God, God has a strategy forward. Every single time. But the direction that we take with these obstacles is the key. So last week we started talking about prayer and we, we got into it and read some scripture and inter interaction with Jesus had with his disciples and, and how he posed a problem, but then he also posed the solution. And the solution, I know it sounds cliche and a little too churchy and too easy, but Jesus says, so pray. God, I've got this going on, I've got this problem. Okay, so, so pray. Because every obstacle that's in front of us is trying to keep us from obtaining the potential that God's trying to take us to. And it's so easy, gosh, I've been there, guys. It's so easy to be in the moments where you've, you've exhausted everything, right? Where you've, you've tried everything, and then you're just like, done. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I don't have anything else to do. And Jesus says, hey, it's okay. Just so pray. Talk to me about it. Not saying we're gonna sprinkle pixie dust over you and then poof, magically everything just gets better but come to me because I have a strategy for you in this moment and in this season. <clears throat> I wanna go back to that verse 10 of Matthew 6 because that one line, I was like, you need to underline this. And, the, and this is where it's called the Lord's Prayer, right? You know, when Jesus teaches his disciples, he's teaching us how to pray. And it's not so much that it's those exact words. There's actually a formula within that where God's trying to get us to put our attention, number one, on the Father, trying to uh, help us align us with, with what's happening in heaven. And that's not where we're going to get to today. But in verse 10, Jesus says, you need to say this, or you need to have this heart in your prayer. Let your kingdom come as the kingdom of God, and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, or as it already is in heaven. So much of our prayer life can be wrapped up in reversing this. And when we reverse this reality, we, we steal the power of prayer. The reverse would say, let my kingdom come, or would you come into my kingdom, and, and would you allow in heaven to happen what I'm asking from earth? And God's like, no, 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 it's, we're almost there. Let's turn this around a little bit. You don't want me to come into your kingdom you want my kingdom to come into your life. You want my, God wants his kingdom. He wants you to welcome it and to invade your life. Invade. We're talking kingdoms here. Like I know in America, sometimes we, we, our brains don't quite get the whole kingdom thing or like kings and, and, and rulers and that type of thing. We're like, no, we're America. We do things different. Church over here is a democracy. No, it's not. Read your Bibles. God's not taking votes. God's not wondering what the consensus of everybody is going to be, and then he moves forward. No, he is the king. He is the Lord. He is the creator, not the created. 
He is the one who sets the tone. And listen, everything that we need or desire to happen here on earth that is connected with the kingdom of God is already a reality in heaven. So when we pray, we need to pray with this unrelenting faith that is not in what we see, but it's in what we're believing God has already established. Every obstacle is a divine opportunity to see God unleash his kingdom's reality here on earth. And guys, listen, for some of you, that statement should change your life. It should change the way that you see everything. Every obstacle, somebody say, my obstacle is a divine opportunity to see God unleash his kingdom in your life. I'm telling you, yeah, my life, you guys, y'all are working with me. Y'all are figuring it out today. Listen, that, that whole reality will literally change the game for how you view what is in front of you, for how you view challenge, for how you view obstacles, for how you view the negativity that normally would just bring us down. But even within that, God has the opportunity to move and to see something great happen. God is turning something out of 2020 that we didn't think a few months ago was possible. Still looking for 2021, just like, do what you're going to do, God. Let's keep it going. Anyway, there's this one, this one reference in, in Matthew chapter 17. I'm in Matthew a lot today. Uh, verse 20, where the disciples who Jesus had already given them authority to like cast out demons, heal the sick, take authority, blah, 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 start doing that kingdom stuff here on earth. And in this particular account, they, the disciples were trying to pray for someone who was demon-possessed, and they were not having any success, which I can only imagine maybe what that scene would have looked like. And they came back to Jesus and they're like, we can't do it. You told us to do it, we can't do it. What are we doing wrong? And Jesus looks at him and his response is this. He says, you don't have enough faith. Oh, there's other translations that, that say you haven't applied faith. Because sometimes we hear that word enough and we're like, oh, do I have enough? Oh, it didn't happen, so I must not have enough. How do I get more? I need enough. I'm, I'm not good enough. But I think a better understanding is that we haven't applied faith. He says, I tell you the truth, if you had the faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. And, of course, he's not talking about after church going outside and being like, Mount Peabine! <laughs> Throw yourself in the Tahoe. No, that's... That's not the point that he's trying to get at. But what he's trying to say is the mountains in your life, you have the authority to speak to them and believe that they're going to move. Or at the very least, as you speak to the mountains in your life, either God will move them or God will reposition you. But either way, there's an obstacle forward. Faith is not trying harder spiritually. Faith is not trying to... Raise your blood pressure because you're trying so hard and gritting your teeth trying to make something happen. What are you doing? I've got faith. No, you're going to hurt you. That's not faith. No, faith isn't trying harder. Faith isn't just saying that you believe something about God. Even the demons in hell believe in God and they tremble at his name. So don't ever be content. Well, yeah, I believe in God. Great. So does the devil. You're on a great team. Let's take this a little bit further. Now listen, faith literally means, listen to this, you are choosing to be in full agreement with what God has already established in heaven. Yeah. 
and you stand on that agreement. Because it's easy to pray for something, I got a faith for it, I believe God's gonna do it, and then it doesn't happen, you're like, oh, okay. No, faith means I'm not, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I'm standing on God's word. And here's the cool thing, God has given us this beautiful tool right here. And he's given us his Holy Spirit, the two which actually work in tandem. Because the word of God will never violate the Holy Spirit, and what you think you're hearing from the Holy Spirit should never violate the word of God. I've seen people do some dumb stuff because like, man, Holy Spirit told me to do it. I was like, that kind of violates what God's word says about what you're doing. Hey, God told me. All right, good luck with that. No, God, God will never ask you to do something that violates what his word has already told you to do. So many of us struggle with hearing God, and I feel like I'm getting off a little bit here, but we struggle with hearing God because we've, we've, been, we've been made to think that it's this, this super uh, transcendent uh, thing where like where, where the ceiling opens in a building and, and, and clouds and light come through and then a voice booms and then we hear God. But this is the best way for you to hear God. You just open this up and begin to read. And the cool thing about being in a church community is when you read something, you're like, what the heck is that? You can phone a friend. <laughs> you can get in a crew, get in a small group, talk to your crew leader. You can talk to your pastor. Hey, read this, not sure what this means. But the more you get into the word of God, the more you will hear his voice. Because faith, is uh, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Not hearing the word of Fox News, CNN. Not hearing the word of what's trending on Twitter. Not, not hearing the word of all that's being lamb blasted on Facebook. But hearing the word of God. This should be the thing that for Jesus' people charts our course as we engage in culture. Not the other way around. There's so many people that are in error right now, that are making serious mistakes right now, that are saying things that are not in line with the character and the nature of who God is, and it's just because we kind of get off message. We get off the message. So faith isn't trying hard. Faith is just saying, I'm in agreement with what God says. I'm in agreement with it, and I'm going to stand on it, and I'm not going to give into it. You need to understand the devil wants you focused on what you see, not on what God says. God wants you focused on what he says, not just on what you see. We don't walk, when you walk in faith, you don't walk by sight. You walk by trusting that God is going to do what he said he's gonna do and that he's gonna be what he said he's going to be. And a big part, this is where I'm gonna wrap this up and go get to finish this next week, all right. A big part of walking in faith is speaking faith. It's what do you say. You know, the Bible also talks about how the words that come out of your mouth have, have the power of life and death. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. False. Myth busted. No. Words are the most, most powerful weapon that exists. Words lead to actions. Every war that's ever been fought in the history of civilization started with words. Every one that created culture, that created ideology, that created enemies, that created foes, that created allies. Everything that's happening right now in our culture that's driving everybody nuts starts with words. Everything that challenges our own individual lives, relationships, it starts with words. Because you are speaking, whether on purpose or accidentally, you are speaking what you believe. 
And sometimes what actually we do believe, maybe we don't think we do, but it's what comes out of us. And the Bible challenges us that out of the abundance and the overflow of what's already in your heart, that's what you speak. The beautiful thing is that God can get a hold of that and transform that. God can shape that. And so what he wants us to do is not just, uh, not just walk in faith, uh, you know, in, in, in like an analogy, but he also wants the way that we speak about our life, the way that we speak about our situations, the way that we speak about our region, the way that we speak about what we see around us, he wants our words to be filled with his words. Because that's another way that you're gonna bring the kingdom of God alive in your world. We will bring the, he- the realities of heaven alive in our families, in our city, in our nation, when we begin to speak what God's already spoken. And when we begin to stand on the realities of what God has already established. And here's the cool thing. I, don't, I almost jumped up on the stage. I just, I'm kind of antsy about this. Like, you got to understand that when you get this wrapped into your mind, then when you begin to understand that, the, that what God desires for your life is already in existence in heaven, guess what? You have nothing to worry about anymore. You have nothing, to, and when you, when you see something happening in your life and in your world that you don't think is in alignment with heaven, then you have the permission to go to heaven in your prayers and say, God, I want your will be done here as it is in heaven. And if you are off base in what you are asking for, here's the cool thing. God in his love and his grace will shift the way that you think. He'll change your heart. He'll change your mindset. He'll he'll, he'll change things. And he's like, no, it's great, great intent. I see what you're doing there, but that's actually not what I'm trying to do through my kingdom. This is how I actually want you to pray. This is how I want you to walk. This is how I want you to live. And all of a sudden, things become so powerful. The last thing that I want to hit, and I have two minutes to do it, there are obstacles to prayer. One of them is doubt, not just not believing even in what you're praying, but I'm not going to talk about that. One is misaligned prayer, which we kind of just addressed, which is you're praying for something that's outside what God wants. But I'm telling you, if you continue to pray, continue to pray, and you allow your heart to be soft, God can take that and he will shift it. But the biggest thing that keeps our Jesus people prayers from losing their power is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is the single most powerful weapon to destroy the power of your prayer. Because Jesus is teaching them how to pray. No, I got a different different verse, sorry. Uh, Then Jesus says to his disciples, this is in Mark 11, he says, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, we just kind of read that, go Mount Pevine, thrown into Lake Tahoe. If you don't believe, if you just have faith this big. But, but after that, in verse, the very next verse, he says, but, but when you're praying, almost as an, as an afterthought, but when you're praying first, somebody say first. First, forgive anyone. Say anyone. Some of y'all don't want to say anyone because you're thinking of somebody that you don't want to forgive. Anyone you are holding a grudge against Guys, this is crazy. Listen to this. So that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. (laughs) I know so often in the church, and it's true. Man, God's gonna forgive your sins. He is. Only God can forgive. Yeah, yeah, he, he is, he will. But you gotta understand, what exists in heaven is a complete reality of total forgiveness. 
And when our words and when our heart and when our actions do not align with that will that's already existing in heaven, we block what is in heaven from coming down to earth. The key, oh. the key to revival in your life, the key to revival in our church, the key to revival in our nation has everything to do with your ability to forgive those who have sinned against you. You know how Jesus says crazy things like, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you? Are you kidding me? You know how Jesus could say that? Because he had already forgiven all of his enemies. He had already forgiven every, everyone who was and was going to persecute him. It's kind of hard to have an enemy that you love. Unforgiveness blocks the flow of heaven's reality from coming alive in your life. And that's where, that's where we stop because that's the point where God wants to come home right now. Can you bow your eyes, bow your eyes? Man, I'm on point today. Woo! Just get that online. Bow your eyes, please. <laughs> it's a thing. It's somewhere, something. Just close your eyes for a moment because I, I want you to take some serious stock in your heart. Because I'm going to say a few areas that, that may hit home for some of us. In your own life, you know of relationships where you need to give forgiveness. I mean, hundreds of messages have been preached just on this topic alone. But the reality is when it comes to not forgiving somebody, 99 times out of 100, you're the only one who's being held in a prison by your unforgiveness. Right now, there's faces rolling through your, rolling through your mind. There's names rolling through your mind right now, people that you need to forgive. Most of them that you would need to personally forgive. Some of them it's not safe, so you need to forgive just in your spirit before the Lord. And that's at that, that's at that personal, like intimate place because nothing hurts more than a wound from someone that you once held close. But to be able to let that go and to be able to experience the freedom that comes from that of a sudden you've unlocked the potential and the possibility of what God has already established in heaven coming alive inside of you. And honestly, if I could speak to the season that, that we're all in right now as a nation, there's so much hate being spewed online. So much hate. There are, there are people that you disagree with that you've never met that you need to forgive. Like specifically, and I know like this hits home in many different places, you don't have to go far, like there are people who need to forgive police officers. Like, well, it's just a few, it's just, no, I get it, but still like right now the enemy is using little stigmas in so many areas to create generalizations that are causing division and hatred. On the flip side of that, there are those that need to forgive protesters, rioters, looters, there are those that need to forgive those who have upset you because they attacked you online. There are those of you that need to forgive 
those that you disagree with. There's some of you need to forgive politicians that you'll never meet. Political leaders. Some of you need to forgive pastors who have hurt you in different ways in the past. And I know this sounds crazy, but some of you need to forgive God. Theologically, God didn't mess up. He didn't do anything wrong. But God understands, he understands that. Because when you're giving forgiveness, sometimes it's not even because somebody did something. It's just because of how you've received what's happened in your heart and in your mind. So you go, just go the spectrum in your life, even right now. Holy Spirit, I pray, Father, right now, Lord, that you would release a spirit of forgiveness in this house, through this church. God, those that listen to this later, God, on our podcast or online, Father, I pray that right where they are, wherever they're listening, God, that you would help them right now to release the unforgiveness in their life, that they would grant forgiveness to those who have hurt them, for those that have left them, for those that have betrayed them. Jesus, we need your help for this. But you are so faithful. So we thank you, God, Lord, that you are the one that forgives us so freely. And once we walk in forgiveness, God, not only does it open up greater depths of you forgiving us and drawing us closer to you, but Father, it opens up the heavens. That's why you say, Lord, that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, repent, God, we have to get that forgiveness. It says, then you will hear from heaven. Why weren't you hearing us from heaven before? That's not your fault, God, it's because we were living in unforgiveness with bitterness. Father, as we let go of those things, Father, and as you bring healing into our hearts, and even as you use it to heal relationships and to mend things that were broken, that, that, that there was no way of knowing how it could be solved, God, you're creating a new reality. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Combo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to combochurch.com and simply click the give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.